everyone, welcome to Work Actually, the podcast that delves into the reality behind different jobs and careers. I'm Kate, your host, and I haven't got a croaky voice this week. Sorry about last week. Um, I had to get the episode out, but I was definitely struggling with a bit of a cough and yeah, a nice husky tone to my voice. So apologies for that. But I had such a good response to last week's episode where I interviewed Jordan and Zach, two of the Dream Boys, one of the longest running male strip shows. If you haven't heard the episode and you've got time, check it out because I promise it's nothing like you think. And this is the feedback I got. Just such a fascinating insight into that world. And that's the great thing about this podcast. I am so fortunate to get that insight into the weird and wonderful lives of different people in different careers. And I've been reflecting a bit on some of the episodes. Now I'm in series three. This week I was just kind of scrolling through all the people I've been able to speak to. Such amazing people doing really interesting things, whether that's in sport. I mean, I've had Olympians on the pod. I've had professional coaches, broadcasters or, you know, people in the arts, singers, performers, voiceover actors and yeah just a whole host of amazing small business owners that have taken an idea that they had and developed it into a really successful business something I don't think I could ever do so go back through the library if you're interested there's a lot to choose from now which leads us nicely onto this new episode I spoke with Kate Hoyle a hypnotherapist who specializes in rapid transformational therapy and that's basically exactly what it is she's able to treat people in sometimes just one session and that could be to treat addiction anxiety depression phobias loads of different mental health challenges and we go into the personal circumstances that led her to discovering RTT and just being so impressed by it that she retrained to become a therapist and now helps so many people live more fulfilling lives. So we talk about the role of therapy and the problems in the mental health system. We talk about men and mental health issues and, you know, the struggle in getting people to talk. And, yeah, lots of different topics. I also actually detail my own struggle at times with anxiety. So I'd love to know if if you've also suffered from things like this, what your thoughts are, has this therapy intrigued you? Have you tried it? Would you be willing to try it? Maybe you know someone that's been helped by it. I came away absolutely kind of blown away really at how effective it seems to be. So I've already mentioned it to quite a few people. (laughs) But I hope you enjoy the chat. Do reach out and let me know what you think. Okay, welcome to Work Actually. It's great to have you on this morning. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time. This is a, a Another podcast area I've been hoping to do that I've not yet done, and that is the wonderful world of hypnotherapy, which I have to put my hands up and say I don't know too much about. I have actually had it done to me, a form of hypnotherapy. I used to suffer quite badly with anxiety, but quite normal levels of it. But well, I say that now because I've read about other people who who I feel suffered far more than me. But when you're in it, it, it feels awful. Um, and I used to get panic attacks and just quite irrational thinking. And I did actually do a couple of sessions of kind of sitting and having that process of hypnotherapy. And yeah, we're going to go into it. But I can I can see why it's quite a popular treatment and quite an effective one just from the the bits I had. I remember how calm I felt 
in quite a short period of time. You specialize in a form called rapid transformational therapy, which I want you to go into everything about and and what that treatment is and what that approach is. Um, But you have a very, very interesting story as to how you got into being a hypnotherapist and, and retraining. And I'd love for you, I mean, it's very personal. I'd love for you to to take us through that if possible. Oh, absolutely. So let's start with rapid transformational therapy, RTT. So there's all different types of hypnotherapy. And with RTT, hypnosis is just the process we use. And then it allows us to access the therapeutic modality of RTT. Now, the beauty of hypnosis, in my view, is twofold. So one, as you recognized, it puts you in a really lovely, relaxed state. It's like more relaxing than meditation. So your, your, your body is very, very relaxed, but your mind is focused. It's not going to sleep mm. in that sense. And it means everything else can fade away. You can just focus on what you need to focus. And it gives us access to your subconscious. Now, your subconscious holds everything. So I don't have to guess, assume, join dots. The client in front of me will tell me everything we need to know. Yeah. I just need, I know how to guide them there. Mm. And once you have produced these memories, um, thoughts, feelings, beliefs from your past, and you put them all together, you go, well, that's why I do the thing I do. That's why I feel like that. And so it's it's a beautiful effective quick tool to get the answer and the answer not what somebody's guessed at you know you hear a lot about oh yeah my therapist thought it might be or it's probably we'll find out Mm. the second reason I love it is that it puts you in a really receptive state for good suggestion now some hypnosis and some hypnotherapy will only do the good suggestion they'll put you into hypnosis and then they'll give you lots of positive words about how you feel or that you hate smoking or whatever it is. And for some things and some people, that's enough. Other people, it doesn't really solve the problem because it hasn't gone back to root cause. And that's at the center of RTT. Because otherwise, for me, it's like a doctor giving you a tablet for a symptom, but never really making you well because they haven't found out what caused the problem in the first place. So, so we always, always go upstream and find out where does this come from? That definitely resonates with me. When I was at uni, this is a long time ago now, but when I was at uni, I um, started getting quite, you know, panic. I started feeling quite anxious. And it it was before you naturally mm-hmm. went and Googled things. So I didn't quite know what or why I was feeling that way. And I remember being put very quickly onto tablets. And it was only much later I realised, hang on, I was feeling quite normal things, but I didn't know that they were normal. And so I then almost lost the ability to withstand normal feelings. And then I would panic about feeling a very normal fear or a normal concern or worry. And it really did change how I thought you know those natural instincts of oh I feel a bit nervous but I know this is normal changed to you know that that common cycle I guess of what anxiety is of fearing the fear but it it really does take over and quickly takes hold of your brain and I guess then going back to what 
what caused that and what caused that rewiring in a way and let's go back to to thinking back to more functional ways that will help rather than cause this trauma (laughs) which it can be yeah exactly and it's all about well where does this really come from and then and it's usually childhood and then you can look back at it It we call it the reframe so you go back and say well of course you felt like that when you were six yeah you know you had no choice to feel like that when you were six and you couldn't do anything about it when you were six but look at you now you're 25 you're 30 you're 40 whatever you've got all those skills and those abilities and that control in your life and you don't need to feel like that little child ever again I mean quite a popular phrase now is healing the inner child Mm. and and it's it's basically it's almost like a time warp we get we get stuck in the emotion of the child so we grow up but the emotion stays there and so when we have that trigger in our lives when we have that thing that makes us anxious whatever you go back to being the six-year-old feeling like the six-year-old So unless you go back and deal with it at that emotional level, at that stage, you're never really going to overcome it. And is that what most of your work is, is usually talking to that inner child? That's the kind of basis of what you do. Yeah, so what what we, we do, I mean, RTT is just the most phenomenal therapy and, and it was created by Marissa Peer. And I was lucky enough to be trained by Marissa. And it's just incredible to see her work Mm. because she is a true master at what she does. She's had over 30 years experience of doing this. And it's basically meeting the person where they were at. Now, that is usually childhood. But equally, it can be wherever that happened. Yeah. So, you know. It, it could be PTSD. It could be something that happened in adulthood. Most of the work I do, it it does tend to go back to childhood mm. because we get a belief about ourselves. So something happens in childhood and it's fine. We brush it off. It doesn't have a huge impact. But then something else happens and then you start to think, oh, hang on a minute. They don't seem to think I'm good enough. And then something else happens and you think, oh, that's me. I'm not good enough. Yeah, And that's your belief. Mm. And then you carry that forward. And so then you see the world through that lens. Mm. It's like going back to your anxiety. You be, become an anxious person. Yeah, yeah. If I'm an anxious person, I can't do that. You put your own limits in mm. because you've labeled yourself. And other people label us. That's a very common thing. So our families label us. So I'm working with somebody at the moment who was always described as shy and nervous and quiet. And she won't be able to cope with that because she's so shy. Mm, reinforcing she it. She grew up being the shy one because that's all she'd ever known. Mm. And that's a label. It's a tag that somebody else has given us. And you can get rid of that. Write yourself a new one. You don't have to be that person. Yeah, yeah. And I was reading up on Marissa Pierce, so who trained you, who's the kind of pioneer of this approach. Mm. And she was obviously a therapist for a long time, she explains. And she's kind of brought together what she sees as the most effective techniques from different approaches so NLP CBT hypnotherapy and then her own psychotherapy training to what she thinks because I think it's it's true I mean I did this where I was seeing a therapist for a while about anxiety and I even felt and we're going over the same guy. I just wanted some practical kind of advice. Like I, I understood, yeah. I mean, I, I'm lucky. I didn't go any 
go through anything hugely traumatic but I could then see all the patterns I got into in childhood of of being anxious of being worried about things of then you know misinterpreting that and and then it becoming what felt quite unmanageable but wanting more almost homework or that feeling of okay fine that I did do that but you know let's move it on a bit because I think some people can get caught in that cycle and I think this is what Marissa says of of just going over and over and over the past without then taking that forward to right how do we address this and change it so you don't need to talk about the past over and over again oh my goodness that's such a well that's how I was drawn to Marissa in the first place I mean I know we're going to go on talk about my daughter but um I had experienced through her years and years of therapy and and she used to say the same thing she says like I've had someone to talk to but it hasn't solved anything like I, I still I'm still the same person with all the same problems and I listened to Marissa on Mind Valley, I think, and she was saying, you know, you shouldn't have to be in therapy for years. These people, you know, need help. And and this is the analogy that she she used, and it and it really like got me listening. She said, You don't go to the dentist and say, Do you know what? I've got this really painful tooth. Could I come in and talk to you about it? And he said, Yeah, sure, come in on Thursday and we'll have a chat. And you have a talk with the dentist and you go, well, I I feel a little bit better, but you know what? This is still quite painful. Okay, come back next Thursday and we'll talk some more. She goes, no, you want the dentist to get in there, take the tooth out, sort out whatever the problem is, and off you go. And I'm like, yes, I like this woman. I like what she's saying. And that's exactly what we do. It's called rapid transformational therapy for a reason. Yeah. Because it's very, very fast. Um. One of my clients yesterday, she said, I've been telling everyone at work that I just, I'm not anxious anymore. I do not have this anxiety more. And when they're going, yeah, right, really? She goes, no, honestly, it's just gone. I've had this for so many years and it's just disappeared. And that's that's the beauty of getting to the right spots, to, to accessing everything that you have within you. This is your subconscious, your thoughts, your beliefs in order to turn that around and basically just change your life. Mm. I heard a similar similar analogy once um, of someone going to a mechanic and saying, my car's broken, can you fix it? But why is it broken? But why is it broken? But why? And it's like, but just fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's like, you know, you just want to get, you don't really care anymore, especially people that have been talking to people for ages. I'm sure they get to the point where I just don't really care anymore. I just want to feel normal and get on with my life. And also this is a real problem we've got at the moment with the mental health service in in the UK just completely overstretched yeah so especially for young people and the key with young people is early intervention and what's happened now because the the service is so stretched a the threshold has become ridiculously high so there's a whole load of people not even being offered support yeah you know they they get there and uh, they they see a therapist and then once you're in the system you often then don't see the same person. And you've been very vulnerable and you've opened up and you've described all the problems. And then you have to do it again. Yeah. And then you have to do it again. And, you know, it's really difficult that we need we need alternatives because there's a, there's a whole load of people that need help. 
and you know that there has to be a different model basically yeah I think there's that's been the case where people have felt this for a long time there needs to be changes there needs to be new approaches because it's failing people essentially isn't it and and not because you know wanting to but the problem with funding the problem with timing the resources probably the wrong approaches with most people it's not personalized enough or it's not understood enough and then obviously reliance on medication which as we just talked about can just put people in a state that they're not addressing the problem and it's then actually causing way more financial strain on on the NHS and yeah you're just stuck with with pockets of people who aren't able to fulfill their best lives because they're just stuck in this cycle yeah and that's one of the reasons I love working with young people because you know you it's it's great you know I can work with somebody in their 50s 60s 70s and finally they've kind of understood and they can get rid of whatever this is that's, that's been bothering them but if you work with a youngster it's like go live your life like you don't have to feel like this anymore so just be the person you're always destined to be and go and be brilliant and to just set them free at that stage so they don't have to suffer with something for 20, 30 years is is brilliant. And that's why I feel so strongly about all these young people that are basically being failed because, you know, they're not even being offered help um, because they don't, you know, don't meet the horrendous threshold currently in lots of parts of the country, which is self-harm and suicidal ideation or attempt Mm. now there's a whole gamut of of people below that who just need some support and just need to think about themselves in a different way yeah do you feel this kind of therapy and the practical approach of it helps men for example or boys because obviously getting boys and men to talk has traditionally been much harder than it has been with girls and women and there's obviously a huge problem still with this so because it's not a oh my god we're you know we're gonna do months and months of going down is a little bit more of a practical holistic approach I guess to this you that helps is that you're nodding but uh, yeah for sure I mean men is a huge generalization but men are basically they like to fix things yeah so they don't want to be told oh, you're going to be with me for months. They want to be told, okay, like addiction work with hypnotherapy is really easy. Like I'll say, okay, you'll come in a smoker and you'll leave a non-smoker. And they're like, really? It's like, yeah, easy, done. And they're like, fine, okay. Um, So they like to know that there's a resolution, there's a time frame, you know, there's there's no guarantees um, with, with more dramatic emotional mental health issues but you know that there, there's an there's an outcome and there's a broad time frame the other beauty is you do this with your eyes shut yeah. and so it's a lot easier for men to be very vulnerable when they're not making direct eye contact with somebody so you put them into hypnosis and you can just have a very very honest open conversation and the release, oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, most people will cry in my sessions because yeah. we are dealing with deep emotion. The good thing is we'll resolve it by the end. I'm never going to leave somebody in that state. Um, but they'll they'll say, oh, I'm, so, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm like, 
oh, don't be. Like this, this is what happens to everybody. And they just, you can see the shoulders drop. They say, I feel lighter, you know, just being able to be vulnerable, to show emotion. And that's a, that's a really important point for anybody listening is that you have to express your emotion. Yeah. If you don't get that emotion out, it was it's going to go somewhere. And usually it goes inwards and makes you physically ill. You know, you don't have to scream and shout at somebody. That's not what I mean. What I mean is get that out of your thought process your body so you can write it down you can write it and tear it up you can write a letter and never post it you can say it in the shower but you have to say things like that hurt me you upset me because you don't have to direct it at the person but you have to express it find a way of expressing it which is really really important and I'm a very very strong advocate that we change the way we talk to our boys how we raise our boys yeah I cannot bear the phrase man up. No. Um, it's just ridiculous. And um, boys need to know that it's okay to show emotion. I mean, my son um, had lots of uh, health issues. He he had a stroke when he was a baby. Oh, wow. And um, he was always very emotional. He was very much heart on your sleeve. You know, you knew exactly how he felt. He had he he did have sort of quite strong emotional issues through frustration, but then he learned at school that he had to shut that down, and it was so sad to see that it's you know it's just not safe to cry, it's not safe to show your emotions. So I'm just going to bottle that all up. Yeah. Um, and now you know, luckily he's kind of come through that cycle and can verbalize and and discuss things very openly but it, it's a fundamental problem and it's no surprise although it's tragic how high the suicide rate is in young men yeah yeah I, I mean I I work with a lot of guys luckily that I don't I don't see any huge warning signs but occasionally I do I see body language change but they're not communicating anything whereas I work with a lot of women who are very happy to say and and these are roles you assume as our genders isn't it because it's been put on us it's okay for me to cry because I'm a woman at work and people will say oh that's okay if you know most men think god I couldn't do that and I was talking to someone the other day and I said do you and your friends ever talk to each other about feelings and he looked at me and said what no this is a mid-30s no no do you, I said, do you talk to anyone about your feelings? He's, he's a, he seems a happy guy. I said, and he said, no, not really. And I did think, God, you know, if I think about me and my friends, we talk about feelings all the time. And where does it go? And and should people come to, pe- to people like you, even if they don't necessarily feel anything yet? Is it something you'd recommend as an approach before it gets to the point where I need... Oh I my goodness! And this, this is where we need to to change the way we think about therapy. Yeah, yeah. In general, because it's just like an MOT. It's yeah. just like you, know, you may go for a health, a physical health check. Well, go for a mental health check. The sooner we get this, the the better it is. The quicker mm. it is, the easier it is. Mm. And 
most men that I've ever worked with, and interestingly, I probably am about 50-50 male, female, my clients. Oh, great. Um, they have so much benefit from actually being able to just get in touch with their emotions, show their emotions. I mean, what you were just saying um, just brought back a, a, an instant to me. My husband had lost his job. He'd been made redundant, and he was really, really down. I mean, really down. And a friend of mine was saying, oh, my husband, you know, he's really quite depressed at the minute. And um, anyway, so they they ended up going out for a drink together. And we thought, oh, isn't, as, as women, isn't this brilliant? They'll have a good, you know, heart to heart. So he came back and I said, how was so-and-so? Oh, yeah, fine. Okay. Um, any news? Yeah, talked about work. Opposite. Did you talk about how you were feeling at the moment and it's like again the same incredulous looks like yeah. no yeah. <laughs> why would we do that and yeah. and I think women don't realize that we have this natural support system yeah. because we talk things out yeah. and often with my husband I've talked about a problem whatever and he's gone into fix it mode and I'm like I don't want you to fix this yeah. I just want you to listen I want you to hear me yeah and a lot of men just don't feel heard um, because they don't have anyone to talk to. Yeah. And do they use their partners? So do they have that one person usually, or is that not, often not even the case? Where I think some people do, but some yeah. people still are in this model of I've got to be the strong one. Mm. I've got to be the one that holds it all together so that I can support the rest of my family, um, which, you know, is understandable. And, you know, I'm, I'm not knocking that in any sense, but it's, again, it's that role. It's the role that they've been given. And we, you know, we have to quite often challenge roles. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Let's go back to how you got into the training of becoming an RTT therapist. RTT therapist, that's right, isn't it? Or RT yeah. therapist. Yeah. yeah, no, it's RTT and then we say RTT, yeah. yeah. So because it, it is, Pastor, you, you just mentioned, yeah, your daughter was in the system then, wasn't yeah. she, in terms of... Yeah, well, I, I always had a corporate career. Um, and what happened with us was our daughter was diagnosed with anxiety and depression at the age of 12, Wow, yeah. And that was when we we got the diagnosis. I mean, obviously, we'd known something was wrong for quite a while before then, and they're basically all the physical elements had been exhausted, and mm. we were told, no, this is a, a, a mental health issue. And quite frankly, we went through years of hell. Mm -hmm. um, we, we had a very, very long wait for CAMS, um, child adolescent mental health service uh, 18 months I think now in some parts of the country now that's two to three years now I can tell you if you're a parent with a child who's suffering you don't know how you're going to get through the next 18 hours mm -hmm. but someone to say you've got to wait 18 months for help mm -hmm. it's just not a, a functioning service it's of no good to anybody no so we did eventually get into the system. I think before then we we had to get some private help. We were fortunate enough that we could afford yeah. that. And um, quite frankly, I would remortgage my house. I would have done anything to get her help. Um, and we got into the system, and she spent years. And I'm not, I'm not knocking any form of therapy. The form of therapy that works is the one that works for you. 
Yeah. And they, they, you know, they, they were good people trying to help her. And a couple of times they brought her back from the brink, mm. you know. But she was just in this cycle and therapists would leave and then we'd find somebody else and she'd have to go through it again. And she just begun to sort of shut down from therapy because that's the other thing. Once people get the notion, it doesn't work. Yeah. Why engage in it. And was this a, a kind of one-to-one approach yes. or was it family no yeah one-to-one one. it was one-to-one and that was a problem as well because I always want to support parents because I know what it feels like to feel hopeless and helpless because what would happen was I'd eventually get her there we were always late because she never wanted to go um she'd go into the session she'd come out and the only thing the therapist would be wanting to talk to me about was booking the next session and I'm like, hang on a minute. Um, I'm going to be her primary caregiver for the next seven days. And what am I supposed to do? What, how do I help her? That's all I wanted to know. I wasn't looking for help for me. I wanted to know how could I help her. And there was nothing, absolutely nothing. Wow. So you didn't get a kind of debrief or a session for yourself? because at, no. Are you still talking about sort of under 16 here? She yes. Is? Yeah, wow, that's terrifying, yeah. Because I understand that they have to be that that private space. They have to have trust in the therapist. That's really important. I wasn't asking for any information or anything to be divulged, but there's two problems with that. One, a child in that state can often have distorted thinking. Mm. They can often be hypersensitive. So occasionally when I'd get comments it'd be things like oh I understand there's been lots of arguments this week and I'd say no <laughs> there hasn't hasn't been because my daughter would say things like and this is very typical with with very anxious children stop shouting mm. and I'd say, but I'm I'm not shouting I'm using the same level of voice but to her it was shouting you have to tone everything down well if somebody had said that to me early on that would have helped, you know, simple things like that, you know. Um, and so it's, I, I eventually, whenever I could, I'd say, look, can I come in for two minutes, just explain what's happened this week, leave you, and then could I possibly come back at the end and just be given some advice on what to do next and some were open to that and some absolutely weren't um but it's it's really important because parents are key we they have a, such an important role and we we've become like this i think for both me- medical health and mental health physical health and mental health you go and get fixed but we need to be empowered we need to be empowered to know that we can help ourselves we can help our children. Now, you don't want to get it wrong. And, and and the trouble with leaving me was I didn't know that I'd done the wrong thing, said the wrong thing until I'd done it. And I'm like, shouldn't have said that. But I, I was floundering. I was just trying to do my best, you know. And so rather than sit back feeling completely hopeless, I always try to give lots of tips and advice. And, you know, I pump this stuff out on social media 
so that it's accessible to anybody so that you it just helps you to navigate that and at least feel like you're being supportive in the right mm-hmm. way if you had seen your well you've probably seen lots of people like your daughter now as a therapist and does it worry or face you do you think this is actually really normal how this person's feeling and there's lots of things we can do to help her I think that's true at early stages yeah and when I see people it's usually got way beyond that right and, and they do need therapeutic intervention um but a lot of people I think, you know, I'd love schools to take this more on board. Yeah. Um, talk about self-belief, mm. um, self-awareness is so key to how we we cope with life. Basically, if you feel secure enough within yourself, and I'm talking true self-esteem here, not confidence. Confidence can be faked. Confidence is what we show the outside world. But truly how we think about ourselves. If that's secure you can face anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like you going back to saying, oh, actually, no, I can sit with these thoughts. It's okay to have this emotion. We seem to go through life now thinking we've all got to be happy. Everything's got to be wonderful all the time. Don't be sad. It's just an emotion. Yeah, We yeah. have a gamut of emotions and we have to be able to, to accept those. And sometimes I'm sad and most of the time I'm happy and that's okay. Um, the problem is when that is then detrimentally affecting your life and and you you're not functioning properly yeah and that's when you need to to have the intervention and I've talked to, to um, you know Senko's people in schools trying to support children and they say you know we do have to have this tricky navigation now is that because they've become very aware of the term anxiety yeah Absolutely. I'm anxious yeah it's kind of like are you just a bit worried about something yeah. which is normal or have you got anxiety they're two very different things um but it's usually very evident when you know somebody is really suffering from anxiety because it is having such a negative impact on them yeah I mean that just rings true to me so much because my mum who actually was a therapist at in a cams uh department she she actually worked in family therapy specializing mm. in young people with eating disorders but mm. very you know very linked and I remember she'd say to me all the time because I, I would the language she'd say listen to the language you're using you know that what I'd learned was I mean looking back it almost makes me love to think what the hell was I like because you know I would overload everything with you know I'm doing quotes here anxiety you know it was just such a big thing in my life I could have done an exam on it and got a star on anxiety and I read this once uh, it was uh, someone I read a self-help book I read a million of them you know if you if you're anxious and you're sat you sit down with a novel someone says read this novel you can't do it sit there with a self-help book you become obsessed with yourself mm-hmm. and how you're feeling all the time and it's so important I think and it sounds like this helps that and just coming out of that obsession in a way with just right I'm anxious how do I feel am I going to cope with that am I what do they mean what does that mean and it, it's exhausting oh it's so exhausting and that's what anxiety is it's, it's yeah. a fear of it's a fear of the future it's the fear of something that has never happened yeah yeah and and 
may never happen yeah. and quite likely won't happen. And the thing about anxiety, it's like a downward spiral. And you need to catch yourself in that downward spiral. And, and the way to do that is to get back in the present moment, because what you're doing is your, your mind is literally spiraling out of control into imagination. It's something, the yeah. future, something that hasn't happened. And so you have to get back and into the present moment and then you can get back up. You know, there's all sorts of ways of doing that. You literally, you can pick something up in front of you and just really concentrating on it. It could be a pen, it could be a leaf, it could be a piece of paper, it could be a hand, you know, anything to bring you back to the current moment. Um, a really good trick is uh, crossing the center line of your body because it engages both sides of your brain. You can literally walk in a figure of eight. You can throw a ball from one hand to another, a bunch of keys, anything, just to get you back into the present moment. And then if you've had some, you know, bit of support and you know how to do this, you can then push yourself back up that spiral and come back to an even level. But yeah, another trick, uh, mind hack, if you like, is never to own something you don't want. You can own your house, you can own your car, you can own your family, you know, my kids, my husband, whatever. Don't own something that's having a bad effect on you. Yeah, it's not great. my anxiety. It's yeah. not my depression. It's not my weight issue. Whatever it is, it's the anxiety, the depression. That don't because we've talked about labels and and the other thing is just owning something. Don't label yourself as the anxious person. Mm. And somebody who suffers from anxiety is a very different phrase. Mm. And, and your mum talking about language, I think as therapists, we tune into language very quickly. Mm. And it's often the meaning behind the word. Um, and it's fascinating. And if you really start listening to people, including yourself, you will pick up on those words. But the words you say to yourself will have more impact mm. than any word anyone else will ever said, say to you. Your mind listens to you over and above anybody. That's why you can have someone, you know, they can have lots of compliments. This is very typical of young girls, for example. They're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. Um, whether that's a standard form of beauty or an Instagram form of beauty, but, you know, they're, they're just a beautiful human being mm. and they get compliments. And if they don't feel secure within themselves it's like oh they're only saying that because you you're only saying that because your mum they only said that because they wanted me to do something they can't let it in mm. so they're batting this all away and then they're saying talking to themselves in such a negative harmful way mm. that's what their mind's listening to they could have a hundred people line up in front of them and telling them nice things if they're not saying that to themselves if they're not accepting those comments and those good suggestions and they're just giving themselves this constant negative narrative that's what the mind's going to listen to and is this where your therapy comes in because you can say oh okay yes I'm pretty over and over again but it it, it has to resonate right down there doesn't it I guess in that inner child I guess of where it, it started to not listen or where it started to reject it so then you have to because you can say I'm not anxious I'm not anxious and that wouldn't have done anything to me when I yeah. was anxious I mean sometimes you can fake it till you can make it I mean mm. you know that I'm a strong believer in because your mind listens to your words your mind doesn't care whether it's true or false good oh. or bad it will just listen so there is an element where you've, a bit of self-help 
you can literally look in front of the stand in front of a mirror and say, I am, and finish that with seven positive answers every single day. They could even be the same ones. And you can start gently. You can be, I am good at looking after my cat, or I am a good friend, or I'm quite good at cooking omelets, you know, and then then start because it's a very uncomfortable thing to to do to start with. And then you start saying, I am kind, I am generous. Um, And then you can get to, I am okay. I am nice. I am loving. I am lovable. And if you do it enough, your mind will begin to accept it. And a lot of the work that we do, Marissa's phrase is, I am enough. And so once you've done the RTT and you've changed the way you think about yourself, you could have had that negative thought about yourself for many, many years. And although this is a very quick way of reprogramming, it really does help to immerse yourself in seeing I am enough, hearing I am enough, writing it everywhere. You know, whatever that positive thought you want to have, literally bombard yourself with it. Mm. Um, and it does help but but I agree with you unless you've really gone back to where did this come from and let's change the way we think about that it's very difficult to change that inner sense yeah Um, so your daughter how was it manifesting with her then because you obviously then found RTT some somewhere because you were feeling I guess hugely dismayed with the process she was on but where was she when that happened was she you were still perhaps in the same place you were months yes. before yeah I mean she was on she was on uh, antidepressants which kept ga- getting ramped up and and I, I do not actually knock antidepressants um, no. they have their place and yeah. in fact sometimes they're needed in order for someone to be able to access therapy yeah but but again, they don't solve anything. They they kind of mask in a way. Yeah. You know, it just it puts you, it dulls down the the strong negative emotion, but unfortunately, it also dulls down any positive emotion. So you you feel a bit numb. Yeah, and I guess that especially if it's being ramped up. I mean, just not to go back to myself really quickly, but I'm just thinking about the placebo effect of antidepressants on me. I blew my mind I Mm. was so anxious at uni and it had been a very quick I think I'd had a panic attack about something and then suddenly it was like a light switch had gone and everything felt overwhelming and I remember being put on tablets as soon as I took one I felt back to normal and went out. I mean, and the doctor said it takes six weeks. Exactly, yeah. That external, I'm going to take something, it's going to fix me rather than doing Mm. anything internally. Even though I was only 18 years old, I remember how quickly it worked and thinking, wow, that's amazing. And then the weight I put on these pills Mm. was huge. I just, you know, for years I I couldn't not be on them or if I was after a year or so, I'd crash because I'd tell myself all the time, how did I do that without these tablets? How did I do that? I mean, luckily now I haven't been on them for a long time, but it, I got stuck in that um, cycle. Oh, many people do. Many yeah. people that medication all over, isn't it? You know? Yeah. And there's been plenty of studies where even when, when the control group has been told they've been taking a placebo, they still say, well, I still want it. Yeah. Because it's made me feel better because it's just association. Mm. same way as we associate beliefs and thoughts about ourselves with a past event if you associate feeling better with a certain action or taking a certain tablet 
it's going to make you feel better. Mm. Um, but yeah, so she was in a very bad place. She was going from bad to worse, quite frankly. She couldn't access school. Um, she was um, on the verge of an eating disorder. She was incredibly thin. I'm, I have this vivid memory of going into the room one time and she was lying on the floor in the fetal position mm. with a crop top and I could see her ribs mm. and it just broke my heart. One of many times that broke my heart. Um, she was in a very dark place. Uh, we 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 came up with a phrase in the end that I'd say, "Are you safe to leave?" And we both knew exactly what that meant, and she would say yes or no. Um, so we just felt like we were just in a black hole, a bottomless pit. We just couldn't see any way out. I mean, the poor girl. If I heard about any type of therapy or something that somebody recommended, she was there. You know, I took her everywhere um and just nothing was was helping um and then I I heard as I said about Marissa I heard her on Mind Valley and I thought oh this like this sounds interesting and so I started researching a bit more and I was on Marissa's website for some reason I can't even remember what I was looking for now and it popped up that there was training. She was going to be training in London and that she only trained in London like once a year. And it was starting, this was on the Thursday and it was starting on the Sunday. And I just thought, do you know what? If if nothing else, I might find someone to work with my daughter. I might find somebody that can help. And very unlike me. I mean, I really like research things to the nth degree and and um and really think very hard about anything like that that was the thursday i was signed up by the friday i was trudging through the snow on the saturday because i had heard the forecast and i had a friend in central london and i was going to go and stay with her so that i could make it to the sort of introductory day on the sunday and I did find someone to work with my daughter and it blew my mind. It mm. absolutely blew my mind. So I have to say there's there's three different ways that people can react to this therapy. One is instantaneous and we call it the RTT facelift because when, when they come back to an awareness, the whole face has changed. Um, the other way is cumulative. So you just gradually things get better and better. And the third is retro retroactively where you look back in a few months and go, oh, well, actually, I, I couldn't have done that before. And now mm -hmm. I can. Yeah. So for her, it was cumulative. So to start with, I was like, oh, that's something else that didn't work. You know, I haven't seen this huge shift. But then literally within weeks, it was like, oh, hang on a minute. She's she's going to school and she's managing to do something else and she's gone out and she's and That's it was like a snowball effect it would just yeah. got better and better and better is that because confidence starts to grow I think well I think it's accepting it it's accepting this new way of thinking about yourself mm. which is Marissa always talks about making the unfamiliar familiar and the familiar unfamiliar. So you've been used to, take you as an example, I'm an anxious person. I've got this anxiety. I can't do all sorts of things because I'm this anxious person. 
And so then when you gradually begin to realize, I'm okay, I'm fine. There's, you know, I can, I can cope with life. I can deal with all these things. That's when you start to try stuff. You know, like my daughter, she couldn't go on public transport. Um, and, and it's the fear of the fear. Once you've had yeah. a panic attack, yeah, it's the fear of having a panic t- attack that stops you from doing things. Yeah. Um, so in a way, I think you have to almost test yourself. It's like, mm. oh, I, I did do that. I can do that. I am okay. You know, and that's how you can build on and become more and more adventurous and then basically establish yourself back into to normal life. But yeah, I was so blown away and I thought that's it. I'm I'm going to be a therapist. So you know, I did all the rest of my training, became a therapist, an RTT therapist and absolutely love what I do. So I mean this was in my 50s. My yeah. 50s. So you know, it's never too late to change your career. It's never too late to find the thing that you were always really meant to do. I mean, I'd, I'd really enjoyed my career. I'd had a great career, but I'd never in a million years thought I would be a therapist of any. And you were in the corporate world, you said. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Finance laws always kind of been my background. I've, right. I mean, I've worked within, you know, comms and investor relations and, and a whole gamut of things, but nothing, absolutely nothing like what I do now. Mm. And I think that's another advantage, actually, is I think life experience yeah, yeah. Is, is discounted a lot. And I think within therapy, it's actually really beneficial, um, especially when you have gone through struggles, because you can identify with people more, empathize more. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I've, it's quite common, isn't it, for people who have suffered with addiction or depression things to then almost go back into that field as oh I'm going to help others and sometimes I I always think it makes me think a little bit like is that a good idea because it's again a feeding maybe what I used to experience that obsession with with a condition and like you said having a, a bit of perspective or coming from a different place as a therapist I I think I, I could be wrong but it feels like a more healthy <laughs> approach. Yeah, I mean, you have to have dealt with your own issues first. I feel very strongly that people should not be therapists because they are looking for their own therapy. Yeah. A very important yeah. part of therapy training is that you deal with any issues you have. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I think once you've done that, once you're secure in yourself, it can be actually really beneficial to understand what someone's going through. Yeah, I mean, for starters, I kind of avoided working with teenagers um, because it was too raw. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I, but they started finding me, and now I, it's it's what I specialize in. I mean, I'll help any any age with any issue, but I do particularly like working with teenagers and young adults and I think it's because I not only understand them and what they're going through I understand what their parents are going through as well. So what was the process for your daughter how long did she then undertake RTT? Uh, One session. What? Yeah. So when you say it was a cumulative effect it she wasn't going back? No. Oh, wow. And that's after how many years of therapy? Um, so that would have been, oh, 
six to eight years of therapy. Oh my goodness, one session. One session. And this is this is rapid transformational therapy is is literally does what it says on the tin because it is rapid and it is transformational. Now is an RTT session is sort of quick and long at the same time because they're very in-depth. Excuse me. So my sessions are usually an hour and a half to two hours long because you want to delve in there. A lot of people I now work, I work on a three-month basis. And I really like that approach. And, And I would have been quite happy for my daughter to go through that approach as well, because it means you can really delve in and sort out all the issues. And knowing what I know now, I probably would have done that for her. As it turned out, I trained and then I could work with her, not on very emotional issues, but anything that she was coming up with. So, you know, passing her exams and taking a driving test and things like that. I could just do a session with her and help her along with those sort of things. Um, And she has had uh, another RTT session since uh, after quite a long gap because we got a different diagnosis for her. Um, So when she was 18, we had her final CAM session and it was a new psychiatrist and she came out, she rolled her eyes and went, oh, he wants to talk to you. (laughs) She lost faith in everybody. And um, I went in and he said, last me lots of questions. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And he said, I think she's got ADHD, but we can't diagnose her because she's turning 18 now. So bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello. So you can't, you can't just leave us there. Um, anyway, long story, had to go private again, got a diagnosis. She has got ADHD, which then explained an awful lot about right. where the anxiety and all the rest of it come from. Um, but yes, RTT is is because it goes to the heart of the problem. It finds out where it came from. It goes to root cause. Within that session, you reframe, you change the way you think about that. And we always make a personalized self-hypnosis audio recording. And that's what you listen to every day for at least 21 days. And that literally beds in the new way of thinking. It's a really important part of the therapy. Um, because we can fix something within the session, but then having that audio just means that you hear the same thing over and over again. We learn through repetition. That's how we've learned anything in our lives is through repetition. And so that's what changes. We used to think that neural pathways were fixed, and now we understand a lot more now about neuroplasticity and that you can change the way you think. And that always blows the mind of somebody who's done a lot of, say, CBT work. They'll say, yes, I'm really good now. I can catch the thought and I can change the thought. And I'll say, what if you had a different thought in the first place? Yeah. So is that where you think CBT on its own is quite limited? Yeah, but CBT is a coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah. And, And it's a good coping mechanism. Yeah. But that's why Marissa has combined that within this therapy. It's one element of it. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it allows you to cope with your thoughts and go forward. And it, and, and it can be very effective. But it's still not going back to 
why do you have those thoughts in the first place? Yeah, because it's the thoughts that are limiting, isn't it? So yeah. dealing with them again is is kind of wasted energy in a way. I guess what you're saying is because you don't need to be spending all this time dealing with them if exactly. you didn't have them in the first place. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I can't get over that your daughter had one session. I mean, that must have been so bittersweet. You know, absolutely phenomenal. You're seeing the changing, and then when you look back on all the work that's been done and you know how hard that was and for her as well you know the faith in the system you know it must be must have been rock bottom oh absolutely yeah she'd just given up yeah to her therapy didn't work and I get you know and I get young people come to me with that attitude and I understand it I've seen it you know some people go into therapy and it absolutely does the trick but for some people, it just doesn't get there, um, and then it's it's then you get that very damaging belief: I can't be fixed. Yeah, it's yeah. something wrong with me. I can't be fixed, and it's going to be like this forever. And that's that's really tragic because it's not true. Yeah, we all have the ability to change. I truly believe that all of us. Are there people though that RTT doesn't work for? Really, only two. Well, I'd say three, actually. Um, Epileptics shouldn't have hypnosis because there is a chance it could trigger a fit. Again, you can take a medical advice and it depends what your form of epilepsy is and standard form. The second one is if you've got any form of psychosis because that's the inability to to change and and decipher fact and fiction, what's real, what's not real. And so... You wouldn't know whether you're accessing a true past right. event or not, and also being able to cope with the rechange in the way you think. So um, it's not recommended for somebody um, with psychosis. And I'd say the third one is narcissists, um, because it'll never be their fault. It'll never be anything to do with them. So a narcissist always thinks that any problem is is because of somebody else. And they're just not self-aware enough to be able to change the way they think and act. Mm. Um, other than that, it can work for absolutely anybody. Mm. And what is the process? And so if someone's listening to this and thinking, this sounds exactly for me, what's the process in which they first book in or, or a consultation to what the treatment looks like? Well, the first thing I'd say is, for example, if if anyone wants to work with me, then, you know, check out my website, look at my social media, get an idea of who I am, what I'm about. Therapeutic alliance is really important. You know, you have to connect yeah. with that person in order to work with them. And that works on both sides, you know. So then the first thing uh, anyone does with me is, is just booking a call. And that call is literally to find out what the problem is, how I work, do I think I'm the right person to help them with that problem? Mm. Uh, Sort of, are we a fit? Are they in the right place? Are they ready for change? And then if we both agree that, yes, that's a good fit, then literally you book in your session. And Um, do you do it virtually or face-to-face? Both. I mean, obviously, I'd always done um, virtual uh, because I work with people overseas and obviously that's the only way to do it and I used to say um it's just as effective because it is I mean that that 
I found very surprising to understand when I was training mm. that this could work, you know, over Zoom. Um, but it is just as effective. But I now say I think there's a benefit because, our, you know, through COVID, the pandemic, obviously everything was done online. Mm. And I did so much of it online. I realised that actually someone's in the comfort of their own home. They don't have to they don't have to work out a journey, how to get to you, you know, all the stress of that. They can just crash out afterwards, yeah. chill out, because it, it can be very tiring. Um, and so, yeah, I think there is a benefit of doing it uh, online, but equally, any, I, I'm now doing more and more sessions back again face-to-face. And so it's just preference, really, and whether, you, you know, someone can travel to see me. Mm. Um, and then... As I say, the, there's, there'll be an intake form to find out some more details. I always have a, a talk before we actually start the session. So we've had the discussion already on the phone. Just make it really agree what it is we're going to work on, what it is the, the, the main issue, get a bit more background. And then, you know, really dive in and the sort of rhythm of a of a session is going back finding out where this came from putting all that together because it's really important that the client gets the realization they understand they need the understanding there's all sorts of tools and techniques you can then use to either find out the information or then to reframe it change the way you think about that yeah. uh, there's an amazing technique which is allowing something to leave to go something like you know you've your anxiety people literally have visualized it going they feel yeah. it going and that's why it's so effective because it can literally go at that point so an addiction somebody will come in and that addiction will leave them in the session they, they won't need it anymore they, it's not serving a purpose anymore and then we put in all the good suggestion it's like it, it's like you know a surgeon so they open you up, they find out the bit that's wrong, <laughs> they sort that out, and then they sew you up again. Um, and so that's the sort of general pattern. So even if you have been to a very emotional place in the in the session, you would always come out with it. I mean, that's how we can cope with this as therapists because it, we often deal with lots of deep trauma. Sometimes there's no trauma at all. But, but, you know, the reason we can cope with it is we know at the end of the session that's going to be dealt with and, that you know, that's, that's going to have moved somebody on. With something like addiction, I'm conscious of time, but just um, with, with something like addiction, I, in my head addiction is something that's been applied to, you know, gaming or, or mm. cigarettes or anything, mm. but it's obviously not about that actual no. can it not just move to something if you if you've tackled cigarettes for example could it not just move to something else yeah well that's the thing that that's why I believe with addiction I I believe I have such a a great track record is because I'm not just putting in the positive or negative suggestion I'm going back to find out where this came from right because um I had one guy come to me and he said I don't know he said I, I was a gambler and I sorted that out I was a I was a drinker. I've sorted that out. This smoking, I just can't stop the smoking. And I said, but you haven't sorted anything out. You've just gone from one addiction to another. Mm. And he was like, oh, 
Yeah. So we have to go back and find why do you need these addictions? What are they doing for you? Because your mind, even if it's something, a habit you don't like, a behavior that's holding you back, your mind will have decided that has some sort of benefit for you. Yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't allow you to keep doing it. Mm. And that's why you need to unravel. What does your mind think this is doing for you? Yeah, what that's very... the benefit is. And once you've unraveled that, that's when you can allow things to go because you go, great, thank you. I yeah. get what you were trying to do. And yes, quite often that was necessary at a point in your life, but yeah. I don't need that anymore. And you do a lot of work with the client as to why they don't need that anymore. Why are they a different person? really understanding that and then you can let it go because it's not serving a purpose anymore mm, interesting and it is addiction then one of the most common conditions you treat I don't know if it's one it's one of the easiest um, is it? Yeah. yeah I mean uh I've done a lot of work around weight and if someone said to me okay Kate we've got we've got two clients here one's a cocaine addict and one's got um years and years of of weight issues yo-yo dieting of the rest of it who's going to be the easiest i'll go oh, give me the cocaine addict mm-hmm. um because uh, the, it's fears phobias addictions are actually pretty straightforward mm-hmm. weight is much more complicated because there are so many elements to it and we can't avoid food <laughs> yeah um, yeah that's true and there's a huge industry to make sure we never avoid temptation and thoughts and associations with food um I'd say probably the the most common thing that I deal with is anxiety and um, self-esteem. Self-esteem yeah. is often actually at the heart of most of the things I deal with. Yeah. But especially at the moment, anxiety is a big issue. Um, I work with youngst, you know, teenagers who just feel really low, really bad about themselves um, I've kept a lot of people in university because that is often a time when anxiety really kicks in and enable them to finish their course. Um, so, yeah, I'd say anxiety, self-esteem, low mood are probably the most common right now. Yeah. And you mentioned seeing people overseas. So you obviously can treat people wherever they are. But yeah. do you ever notice cultural differences? In the UK, do you feel like you know, self-esteem, anxiety in young people is more prevalent than perhaps somewhere else? I wouldn't say they're more prevalent. You just have to be very aware of language and cultural inferences. Um, And, for example, in the States, they're so open to, you know, I deal with, you know, California. They're very open to therapy. It's just part of their life, you know. That's that's not an issue at all, whereas in the UK – there can be sort of some resonance, uh, recitance about therapy. As, yeah. as, you know, I've gone to somebody for some help. Um, and then I've worked with people in, you know, Pakistan, in India. And uh, once once people have accepted that they, they need some help with something, then the only thing you need to be aware of is certain sort of phrases or understanding how they may have come to think about something in the first place and so you just it's just an awareness but um yeah some some parts of the world people are far more open to therapy than others that's for sure it must be nice as well 
to know that you know despite some being more open some not we're all really we're all the same aren't we we're all the you know we're all human beings with the same kind of fears and worries and you know the context may be different but ultimately how our brains are working and our kind of go to what what our bodies think is protective and we misinterpret as you know a disorder or our minds against us and things like you were saying it's there's a reason why your your brain has gone to this addiction and actually it's probably to help you but of course we interpret it in such a different way yeah for sure and and you know there's there's one thing that links all of us is that we all feel different about something and lots of people I work with it comes up through their sessions I'm different there's something wrong with me and and you have to say look we all feel different Every single one of us feels different in some aspects of our lives. And it's the one thing that that holds us all together. Mm. And something I feel really strongly about, I end up working with a lot of people who who are neurodiverse. And because I I go back to root clause, I I feel very privileged that I understand children and how they think. And I'm very, very passionate about changing the concept around neurodiversity and that different in school doesn't mean less than yeah that's the message they get I'm weird there's something wrong with me I have to go to the special place the special class I have to have something different for me and I just want to be the same as everybody else and everyone doesn't like me and they don't want to play with me and they don't want to talk to me because there's something wrong with me yeah. And you have to, you know, change that thought. You have to go, well, actually, you have a super brain. You yeah. know, you've got a Ferrari and, and, and we're running around in Fiat's. Yeah. Um, and you just haven't been taught how to manage that and mm. how to use your superpower. But, yeah, it's heartbreaking. I've never come across someone as a neurodiverse person who didn't feel less than as a child. Imagine the difference between a child being brought up going, you are amazing, yeah. you have a gift, you are brilliant, than, oh, Calm down. there's something wrong with him, we need to get him help, he's, he's not quite right. I mean, one, one parent said to me, yeah, he's always been a bit weird. And I'm like, mm. well, if he's grown up with that, is there any yeah. surprise that he doesn't feel too good about himself now, you know, and and – yeah, that wasn't said in a in a cruel way. It was just part of their language. Um, and do you then take it on yourself to sort of point that out to parents if, if they, yeah, you do hear language? Yeah, if you're going to be a therapist dealing with younger people, you've got more than one client, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've had parents come to me and after the, the initial conversation, they've said, actually, I don't think it's my child that needs your help I think it's me and I'm like oh yes I think you could be right there and and equally I'm not laying blame on parents I mean I would be beating myself up constantly if I felt that my daughter only had her issues because I'd done something really wrong and it doesn't have to be like that um at all sometimes it is the parents fault not even intentionally Mm. um Quite often it can be something that happens with peers at school. You know, it can be all sorts of things. But equally, quite if a, if a parent comes to me wanting their child to be fixed, um, then quite often it's the parent that, that could do with some help. Yeah. And also parents need support through this, regardless of whether they've got any blame input 
you know, that anything is a result of the way they've acted because it's really tough. It is so tough having a child who's suffering and not knowing how to solve it for them. And for everyone, it's learning how to live with uncertainty, isn't it, as well, of not, yeah, not needing to fix or, or it's okay to feel not okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, we just, every emotion is valid. Yeah. And this is, this is very important for parents of young children as well to understand is that don't dismiss a feeling, don't dismiss an emotion. You know that phrase, oh, don't be silly. It's okay. It's like, no, that that person is having an emotion. And that emotion is valid just because it's there. Don't bat it away. Don't dismiss it. Don't tell someone they shouldn't be feeling the way they're feeling. If you're feeling a feeling, you're feeling a feeling. It's there. It's real. It's your feeling. It's your emotion. Fine. We can have a range, a huge range of emotions and that's absolutely fine. The only problem is if we get stuck somewhere. Yeah. Mm, very interesting. Oh, well, it's been fascinating to learn about it. And yeah, it's just blown my mind how you said your daughter had one session. It yeah, blew mine too. <laughs> yeah, I bet it did. Um, where can people find out more information then? Basically, if you put Kate Hoyle hypnotherapy pretty much anywhere I think I should appear Hoyle is h-o-y-l-e so that's that's the only tricky bit but yeah you go on my website go on Instagram DM me book a call I love talking to people I genuinely I think that's why I love podcasts so much I genuinely love talking to people and if I can help I will help Mm, excellent thank you so much for yeah teaching me a lot more about this this area and yeah it's been fascinating I just yeah I'm thinking now right who can I recommend this probably a <laughs> hundred people <laughs> well to be honest we all have something don't we we all have something that could be improved if not you know necessarily needs fixing and such definitely well like we were saying it, it shouldn't be seen as a right I need to go to therapy because I need to work on this it's actually you know if you think of our mental states how you were saying anything can contribute to negative self-talk or self-belief and then once that seed is planted I guess we're so good at making that grow because we feed it so much and actually it's about learning right how do I recognize that I'm doing that early on and so seeing you know having a a session that can even if you don't feel like you need it is is probably going to be hugely beneficial yeah I mean I can't there's very little to think that I couldn't think what could be improved and I use I go to other RTT therapists you know um if I I think oh I I can have a session on that or you know it can be anything so anything that that's holding you back or you know it could be money blocks it could be relationships it could be anything yeah Um, it's just yeah go go and if you want to live your best life what can you do to have that best life Mm. I think this is part of it it's it's so hopeful really isn't it yeah you know for people that think oh I can't be fixed or I've been struggling for a long time to know that there actually there are approaches that aren't you know two years of treatment or aren't hours and hours and hours of of regression you know, it must be 
it must be so helpful because and, and the reading a self-help book isn't for everyone is it to sit there and how to quit smoking or how to yeah and also I think it's very hard to do the work on yourself I don't do the work on myself yeah you know, especially yeah. with hypnotherapy because you then you have to sort of engage your logical brain and your subconscious brain and you can't really do that and, and I think quite often you know I'll say to someone oh that's really interesting you use that phrase and they said oh, what did I say you know and so sometimes you need the observer as well and I think you know it's very difficult to do this this work it's very very difficult to do deep work on yourself I'm all for self-help but if you need something more than that you know I yeah think you need to go to somebody who who knows what they're doing yeah. and, and can can help push you forward yeah thank you so much for speaking to me today I've absolutely loved it yeah it's been great and I'll put the website your website and social media in the show notes as well so people can access easily thank you thanks Kate that was Kate Hoyle a hypnotherapist specializing in rapid transformational therapy if you want to find out more you can go to her website which is katehoylehypnotherapy.com and she's on social media Now, next week's episode is the wonderful working life of a professional songwriter. I absolutely loved this chat with such an impressive, inspiring and creative woman. I chatted to Claire Dove, who is a songwriter for different labels and artists and brands. She works with different producers and she really details her views on the music industry and she doesn't hold back, which I loved. We talked about her passion for it but the unfairness the inequality the misogyny but also the incredible talent that she comes across and why she loves her job and is so passionate about it why she wants this industry to evolve and actually look after the people that are driving it like her so she's taking matters into her own hands and you have to tune in next week to find out more you won't be disappointed see you then thanks for listening